Oh, I think we can do better than that. Can we let the Lord know we love him tonight with our praise, with our voices, with the clapping of our hands? I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. I'd like to direct your attention to the book of Jude. And uh, Jude only has one chapter. So it's a little bit hard to find. It comes right after the third epistle of John, right before the book of Revelation. So if you're having a hard time finding it, just go to the first chapter of Revelation and go back one and you'll be in the book of Jude. I, uh, I think that Jude might be one of the most overlooked underpreached and just generally forgotten about book of the Bible and yet when I read Jude and you can read it very quickly it's just 25 verses I see one of the most prophetic and relevant books of the Bible for our generation today uh, it's almost like Jude is talking about 2019 when you read what he is describing and of course he is speaking of things that will happen in the last days and of course things that were also happening at that time and I'd like to begin with verse 3 and read down to verse number 8 and Jude said this beloved when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though he once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignitaries. And if you would, skip down with me to verse number 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. I'd like to preach this title. And uh, the Lord wants to minister to us, perhaps in a unique way tonight. I'd like to preach this. Don't be delivered 
or destruction. Don't be delivered for destruction. And also, if I could subtitle it, I would, I would give you a little encouragement with that. And I would say, God is able to keep you from falling. Would you look at the person beside you and just encourage them with that? God is able to keep you from falling. Yes, he is. He's able. Let's put our Bibles down and let's lift up our hands, shall we? And let's ask the Lord to help us. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I, I know that there are people who feel like they're falling. There are people who feel like they've been saved just to step into destruction and pain and failure. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to realize that we can walk in victory and we can walk in authority if we will only be obedient to you. We give you praise and we give you glory. And everyone said in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. More and more lately, the Lord has redirected my thinking towards the simplicity of the gospel. When all the dust has settled, we all have one fundamental need that transcends everything else. It's more important than our health. It's more important than our wealth, and that's our need to be saved and to stay saved. And I am concerned that we have lost the understanding of what it means to be saved. Uh, I, I talk to so many Christians who seem to equate being saved with happiness, health, wealth, or self-improvement. But Jesus didn't shed his blood for our happiness alone. He died so that we could be saved from eternal suffering in the fires of hell. He died so we could have fellowship with him and spend eternity in heaven. And only in heaven are we promised that there will be no more tears, no more fears, no more sorrow, no more pain. And yet many Christians are trying to apply those heavenly promises those eternal promises to this temporary world, while at the same time forgetting or even denying the reality of hell. More and more preachers cheapen the meaning of the word salvation by associating it with temporary things like happiness. But we are saved from hell, not saved from having bad days in this world. And let me be clear when I tell you that I want you to be happy. In fact, I'd even dare say that I want to be happy. And uh, I want you to be blessed financially. In fact, I would even be willing to admit that I would enjoy being blessed financially. And I hope that no one here has to suffer pain. And I hope you live a long life filled with joy. And I hope you stay healthy and all of those things and have strength in your body, but above all else, I want you to be saved. Above everything else in this world that could happen to you, my desire is to see you walk on the streets of gold someday. If that means you have to endure some suffering in this world, so be it. Because we have a hope of glory that is beyond any pain that we could ever feel in this world. That is my desire for you, that you would be saved. That means that I must preach the truth, whether you want to hear it or not. 
And there are plenty of churches that will tell you what you want to hear, but you will be lost by hearing what you want to hear. There are plenty of churches that call themselves Pentecostal, plenty of churches that call themselves Spirit-filled, plenty of churches that call themselves apostolic, but they will blur the lines of truth. They will play in the gray areas, and they will err on the side of spiritual recklessness. But in this year, we are standing firmly on the solid ground of truth at Apostolic Tabernacle because above all else, this church is committed to seeing people saved. Somebody ought to lift up your hands and say, Lord, above all else, I desire to be saved. Above wealth, above happiness, above anything that could come my way, I desire to be saved. There is a great danger in the last days of complacency. In fact, the number one danger that Scripture warns the church of in the last days is the error of complacency. Philippians 2.13 says, Work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. In other words, even though we have experienced the new birth, we are still to work on our salvation with reverence in the presence of God. I don't want to take my Holy Ghost for granted. I don't want to take the house of God for granted. I don't want to take my salvation for granted because I have an obligation to maintain my salvation. Let me say that again. You have an obligation to maintain your salvation. How many realize that this is an apostolic church? We are not a Calvinist church. We don't believe in once saved, always saved. Just because God filled you with the Holy Ghost yesterday doesn't mean you can live any way you want to live today. You've got to work out your salvation one day at a time, one decision at a time, one step at a time. I'm going to have reverence before God because I don't take it for granted. First Peter 4 and 17 says this judgment must begin at the house of God point to yourself and say that means right here with me judgment does not begin with the world and judgment doesn't begin in the crack house judgment doesn't begin in the house of ill repute judgment begins in the house of God and if it first begins in us what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God and if the righteous scarcely be saved, that ought to make somebody tremble in this house because some of you have become arrogant with your salvation. You've just taken it for granted that you're going to be saved and do whatever you want to do. But you need to understand that if the righteous scarcely be saved, if they're barely going to make it into heaven, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? In other words, God never said it was going to be easy to walk on streets of gold God never said you could just do anything you want to do and make it to heaven it's going to take a reverence in the presence of God that says Lord I won't take your spirit for granted God I'm not going to take this truth for granted because I know it's my only hope the book of Jude only has one chapter and it's written to an established church just like this church Jude said, I wanted to write to you about the salvation that we all share. But now I find that because I'm seeing things in the church 
that I need to write about something else. I need to urge you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once and for all time to his holy people because some ungodly people have crept into your churches saying that God's grace allows us to live any way that we want to live. Perverting the grace of God and saying you can dress any way you want to dress and be saved. Perverting the grace of God and saying you can talk any way you want to talk and be saved. Perverting the grace of God and saying that you can live in sexual immorality and still be saved. And this was a gross perversion of the apostolic plan of God. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jude said, I want to remind you, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority that God gave them, but left the place where they belonged. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. And then he went on in an even more difficult fashion. He said, don't forget about Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Does that sound like the world that we live in today? We live in a world of gross immorality where even Christians will tell you that you can do whatever you want to do. You can watch whatever you want to watch. You can smoke whatever you want to smoke, drink whatever you want to drink, go wherever you want to go, and grace will cover it all. And all of this is because wickedness has crept in unawares into our churches. Even churches that call themselves apostolic churches have left their first love, and they have turned their back on the holy things of God. And Jude reminded them that those cities were destroyed by fire and they serve as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment for the church. He also reminded the church that there were people who were first delivered from the hand of Egypt. They walked through the Red Sea on dry land. They shouted with the tambourine with Miriam. And they said, the horse and his rider hath he cast into the sea. They worshiped God for the deliverance. And yet, as they walked in the wilderness, they turned their back on the voice of God. And God delivered them up for destruction. I'm preaching to somebody tonight, and I don't even know who I'm trying to reach, who God delivered you from some things. God delivered you from things that you cannot even hardly talk about because the chains had bound you so tightly. You have a testimony that literally causes the gates of hell 
to shake. You walked through the Red Sea. You walked on dry land. People couldn't believe you made it through. People said you'd never change. You'd never be different. But God delivered you. God set you free. God brought you out. God sent a deliverer. God made a way where there seemed to be no way. God gave you water in the wilderness. God gave you manna from heaven. He was Jehovah Jireh, the provider. When you didn't know where the money was going to come from, God just kept providing over and over and over again. When you were sick in your body, God raised up a healing. God delivered your body from pain and sickness. God brought you through the fire without even a hint of smoke. When people look at you now, they don't even see the scars from your past. Oh, you know you have scars, but people don't see the scars because God brought you out of Egypt. God broke the chains of bondage. And now, all of these years later, nobody knows about it. You haven't even told anybody about it. But you are turning your back on where God brought you from. And you are walking towards destruction. And I came to warn you in the Holy Ghost. It is not the will of God for you to be delivered so you could be brought to destruction. It is the will of God for you to be delivered and stay delivered. It is not the will of God for you to come out of Egypt, wander in the wilderness, and never see the promised land. It's the will of God for you to make it all the way to glory. It's the will of God for you to grow stronger. And yet, you are secretly weaker than you have ever been. You know, the danger of backsliding is that backsliding is very rarely a public process. You know, when we see a backslider, that's a process that happened in private for a long time. Backsliding doesn't happen. Just People don't just wake up and turn their back on God. Listen, once you get the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost is so powerful. Once you get the Holy Ghost, it's going to take a whole lot of quenching the Spirit for you to walk away from the power of God. It's going to take more than just one little bad attitude for you to turn your back on God. It's going to take lots and lots and lots of bad spirits, lots and lots of bad attitude, a little sin here and a little sin there, a little lie here and a little lie there, a little false doctrine here and a little false doctrine there. And by the way, nobody ever backslides anymore we don't call it backsliding they didn't call it backsliding in the new testament church either in the book of jude he described people who had turned themselves over to perversion they were actually preaching wicked evil doctrines and they were calling themselves apostolics they were calling themselves pentecostal so to speak 
They were saying that they were right with God. They were preaching it in the name of Jesus. I'm going to tell you, nothing brings the wrath of God like people who preach evil and perversion in the name of Jesus. You ought to preach the word with fear and with trembling in reverence to God. You need to rightly divide the word of truth because preacher, hear me, you will stand before God, preacher, and you will give an account for every word that came out of your mouth from behind this pulpit. Every life that you drew away from righteousness, preacher, hear me on this podcast, you will stand before God and God will look at you and say, why would you not feed them the manna that I gave you? Why would you not open up the word and preach the truth without fear? I came to tell you at Apostolic Tabernacle, we're going to preach the whole gospel to the whole world. We're going to preach Acts 2.38 until we die. We're going to preach holiness until we die or until Jesus comes because it is the word of God and the word of God is forever settled in heaven. So there were people in the New Testament who claimed to be men of God, people of God, churches of God. You know, they had their false prophets, too. and They had their troublemakers, too. They had their hypocrites, too. You know, we think hypocrites are a modern day church problem. Hypocrites have always been among us. The hypocrite has always been with us. The liar has always been among us. The deceivers have always been among us. The wolves in sheep's clothing have always been among us. And they come to our churches. They come to holiness churches and they stay long enough to confuse a few people and get a little group and go across town and start a little church of their own and tell people you can do anything that you want to do and be saved. They get a little crowd and they go and they get enough people and they tell them you can live any way you want to live. And as long as you still shout on Sunday, you're going to be saved. But my friend, it's going to take more than shouting on Sundays for you to be saved. You are going to have to be obedient to the word of God. You are going to have to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the apostles. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God is what you need. We need all the bread. We need all the manna because we need it so that we can be right with God. And it's going to take churches that are willing to stand up and say, I love every word that is in the good book. I stand on every word that God has given us. I will not turn my back on any part of the word of God. You know, we live in a a Burger King generation, and this is an old illustration. It shows my age, but. Many years ago, Burger King had that, you can have it your way. Probably a better illustration would be the Starbucks, more modern, would be the Starbucks. Uh, You can can do it any way you want to do it. That's their deal with their drinks. You can get a triple non-fat soy quad extra shot triple vanilla extra, extra, extra caramel. That's how my daughter, my daughter likes the caramel macchiato and and she likes it iced. And she tells him, extra, 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 extra caramel. And so she basically has caramel with a little, little milk in it. But that's, that's the deal. That, and that's okay for Starbucks and Burger King. 
when it comes to the things of God, we don't we don't get to do it our way. We don't get to say, you know, I don't like I don't like that. Leave that off. You know, I'm I'm notorious for uh, being a picky eater. I've gotten better as I've gotten older. My brothers, we were all this way growing up after church. It was a big deal. We were we were pretty poor growing up. And so after church, Nathan, John, you guys remember this? We would go to Taco Bell all the time. Because you can take three boys and two parents to Taco Bell. Back then, I mean, I think they could pull away for like $5. Because, you know, we would order from the value. When you're ordering from the value portion of Taco Bell, you are really poor, okay? When, when you're in the 50s, back then they had a 50-cent menu at Taco Bell. And when, you're, when you're doing the 50-cent menu at Taco Bell, you know you're a preacher, all right? So... We were going through, and, and it'd be that we looked forward to it though. We enjoyed it as kids, and but my and my dad would always drive, and we'd always go through the the drive-through, and you know drive-throughs are are difficult anyway, right? Because it's just always getting something wrong, and uh, and my poor dad, he'd he'd be up there, and he'd say, "Now who wants what?" <clears throat> and I would always say, "Well, you know, I want a burrito, but I want no onions, and I want no." lettuce and I want extra sour cream and uh and and I want that with extra cheese as well so he'd get that and then Jonathan would be like well I, I need no onions and I want extra sauce and, I, and we all had about 12 different things that we were adding and by the time dad would go to order he just said whatever he wanted to say <laughs> and he would just say you're gonna get whatever you get because I can't remember all of that. that's ridiculous and and sometimes we have this mentality when it when it comes to the, the things of God. Well, well, if I, I can just I can just kind of arrange my salvation. I, I can I can kind of take the part I like here. And you know, I, I kind of like that part, but you know, I don't like that part about being modest. Because, you know, I don't fit in when I'm modest. I, I I'll take oh boy, I really enjoy grace. Grace is awesome. And, and, and love is great and mercy is great. But I don't I don't like that part about about not about not adorning myself with jewelry because I don't fit in the world when when I do that. Oh, I really love all that about deliverance. I like breakthrough. I like shouting. I, I like miracles. I really want God to heal my body. And I love it when I hear reports of God healing cancer. That's exciting. I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. But oh, I, I don't like it when, when the word tells me that I have to be separated from the world. I don't like that. I, I, I don't like this fasting thing either. That's pretty difficult. And boy, I, I you know what? I'm not sure that. That I enjoy having to be faithful to the house of God. Boy, I like the blessing part. I, I want to, boy, I wanted to be given, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But this 10% tithe thing. Mmm. Oh, how quiet it gets. See that? Yeah. Yeah, I don't like this having to pay my tithes, I don't like offerings. If I could just serve the Lord and God never mess with my money, that boy, that'd be that'd be what I would like. You know how many Christians do exactly that? Did you know that there would not be a church in the United States of America that had any financial troubles if everyone who considered themselves a member of that church actually gave their tithe?
No. Wouldn't be any problems at all because the issue that we have is, is really not an issue of not enough people. It's not enough faithful people. In every church, not just our church, we're just like other churches. They all have the same issue. We See, we like the things we like. And see, if I went on long enough, I could find the area that you don't like. See, some of you will shout over the thing, because that part's easy for you, but then I get to your area, and then, ooh. And if I preach long enough, I can find the area that you don't like. Maybe you struggle with loving your brother. Maybe you struggle with forgiveness. Maybe you struggle with bitterness. Maybe you struggle with your personal sin that's hard for you to let go. Maybe you struggle with authority. Whatever it is, whatever it is, I came to remind you that you have to earnestly contend for the faith. When we say the faith that was once delivered to the apostles as an apostolic, it's tempting for me to just jump, and I did for a moment, jump right to Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. But he didn't say to earnestly contend just for Acts 2.38. That's included in the apostles' doctrine. But we have to contend for holiness. We have to contend for righteousness. We have to contend for faithfulness. We have to contend for giving. We have to contend for the authority structure and the church of the living God that God placed in our lives. In other words, we don't just get to contend for the one part we like. We need to earnestly contend for the whole faith that was once delivered to the apostles. And I don't know about you, but I want more than one or two scriptures from the New Testament. I want the entire word of God because it is alive. It is quick. It is sharp. It is powerful. And it alone is what saves us. And so he describes these people and he he shows us some of the things. And then he talks about some prophetic things of the end times. And I want you to listen to this because this is the world we live in today. You can walk to churches right now that are spin-off churches from uh, holiness churches, from apostolic churches, and you'll see this displayed in their churches. And here's what Jude describes these people as. They claim authority from their dreams. In other words, they have visions and dreams. They call them spiritual. Their dreams go against the word of God, and yet they elevate their dreams and their visions to being on the same level as the word of God. Once any man or woman tells you that his or her dream or vision supersedes the word of God, you need to rebuke that person in Jesus' name, walk away and never look back, and get yourself to a place where they are standing on the word of God. We are living in the world of TV preachers. I just saw one the other day on the internet who said, I, God gave me a dream and said that we don't have to live that way anymore. I rebuked it in Jesus' name, turned my phone off and said, no, sir. We do not elevate our dreams and our visions above the word of God. Jude said these people will live in moral, dirty lives. They will live filthy lives and they will call themselves holy. 
Jude said that they will defy authority. They will hate authority in their life. They will discard every authority figure in their life. And just let me say this to you. Whenever you see a preacher who has turned his or her back on their spiritual father, their pastor, their man of God, and they said, well, I've just got a new way, a new vision. God's just given me a greater revelation. You need to shut them down, get their voice out of your life because they are out of line with the word of God, the will of God, and the plan of God, and their arrogance will destroy them. And when they stand before God, they will receive the judgment of God because they did not know how to honor authority in their lives. I knew I wasn't going to get many shouts tonight, but I'm in the word of God. This is just as good a preaching as I'm telling you how to get your breakthrough or your miracle. In fact, if you would hear this kind of preaching, you might would see more miracles and you might would get more breakthroughs if you could receive the hard things from the word of God. Jude said they'll be the kind of people who scoff at supernatural beings and spiritual things. They'll be the kind of people who want to act like they've got the Holy Ghost, but they make fun of tongue talkers. They'll be the kind of people who want to talk like they're spirit-filled, but they're going to make fun of churches that dance in the spirit. I know people like that in my life. I went to Bible school with them. I rebuke it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Our churches need to be full of the spirit. We need to be drunk in the Holy Ghost. We ought to be the kind of churches where people... People step in and think we're drunk. Oh, and the preacher will stand up and say, no, we're not drunk as ye suppose. This is that which was spoken of and prophesied by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. The kind of people who laugh at churches that get excited, laugh at churches who get loud, and I, Jude didn't say this, but I'm going to throw it in. It's the kind of churches who try to replace a move of God with lights and video shows. It's the kind of churches that try to replace a genuine move of the Holy Ghost with concerts. It's the kind of church that will replace a genuine move of God with just bringing in a speaker who says something enjoyable. They bring comedians in now. Why? Because they cannot replicate the genuine flow of the Holy Ghost. They can say they're spirit filled all day long but until you see the evidence of the flow of the Holy Ghost you are just a fake. You are just a fake and I am not content to be a fake at apostolic tabernacle we need the real genuine outpouring of the last day latter rain holy ghost in this church I refuse to settle for anything 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 less Jude said they will scoff and make fun of things they don't understand let me just pause here for a moment just because you don't understand something from the word of God doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. And it certainly doesn't mean you get to make fun of it. You know that there are things right now that I don't fully understand. But I do it because I believe the word of God. I do. I believe the word of God. There are things right now that it's, it's almost a mystery to me. Can I be honest with you? Even, 
even prayer. Sometimes I, when I'm praying, I'll ask the Lord. I'll say, Lord, you already know my thoughts. Why do you desire me to say this out loud? Because you, you know what I'm thinking. I, you, you know what I'm going to ask before I even ask it. So why do I need to ask it? Is my brain just crazy? Does anyone else ever think this way? Lord, I, you know all things. You know the end from the beginning. And here I am in this finite world. And I'm telling you my troubles, Lord. And God, you already know. And God reaches down and says, you don't have to understand everything. You don't have to understand the relationship that I have with you. God told me one time in prayer. He said, I I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for you. Because when you cry out to me, it doesn't change me. It changes you. Because when you get in my presence, you're going to be the one who's moved. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm the unchanging hand. I'm the unmoved mover. But when you cry out to me, something in your spirit is changed. I don't have to understand. I just have to be obedient to God's unchanging plan. And God moves in my obedience. Do you know when people receive the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues for the first time, they don't understand hardly anything that's happening. Do you know in order for you, remember back when you received the Holy Ghost for the first time, you had to do things that you did not understand at all especially if you weren't raised in church. You had to be obedient to things. In fact, you had to trust a man of God. You had to trust a man of God who told you, lift up your hands, lift up your head, lift up your voice, repent of your sin. And you had to be obedient to all of those things. Why? Because God moves in the midst of obedience. God didn't say, you have to understand and then I'll pour it out. God said, you just need to do it and then I'll give it to you. And the more you walk in obedience, the more you will understand. We'll say, I don't understand that standard. I don't understand pastor's conviction you don't have to understand everything you need to be obedient and then watch God bless you watch God move in your life and then as you grow you will grow in understanding as well many times I found in my life that God will not give revelation to me personally until I do it without understanding now you know me long enough to know that I like to understand things. Anybody like to understand? I like to know. I'm kind of like Job. I ask God a lot of questions, especially in the storm. Anybody ever been in a storm before? You ask God some questions. God's okay with that. But, you know, sometimes his answer is going to be, I'm God. Sometimes that's the answer that God gives. And that's not always the answer that we want to hear. But you know what? It's simple, but it's true. He's God and we're not. I said he's God and we're not. I don't understand why we clap our hands to the Lord. I don't understand why it is that God moves when we shout. I don't fully understand all the reasons for that. I just know God said to shout with a voice of triumph. And so even when I don't feel like it, even when my throat hurts, even when I've got a cough, when I come into the house of God, I'm going to shout with a voice of triumph because the word said it and God moves in it. And so I don't have to understand. I'm just going to do it. He said, clap your hands all ye people I may not feel like it but I'm gonna clap my hands because if God said it I don't have to understand why I'm just gonna do what the word says to do 
He said in the last days, these people would do whatever their instincts tell them to do. In other words, they would be the kind of people who follow their heart and not the word. They follow their desires and not what God tells them to do. And then he mentions, and I'm closing, he mentions three great sins of the last days. And this is a warning for our church. Listen to me. Three great sins of the last days that the last day church must be looking out for. Number one, he mentions the way of Cain. The way of Cain, if you remember, of course, is the brother who brought a sacrifice to God that was not pleasing. And this represents in the modern church false worship and self-righteousness. It's an attitude that says, I can worship God and live any way I want to live. And we see it all around us every single day in America. I can come into the presence of God full of immorality, full of lies, full of false doctrine, full of deception. I can hate my brother. I can hate my sister. And I can come into the house of God. And I can worship any way I want to worship. And God says, I will not receive their sacrifice. They come before God with a self-righteousness that says, I will justify myself. I think I'm okay, and so God must think I'm okay. And it is the way of Cain, and it is destroying the world today. Secondly, he mentions the error of Balaam. The error of Balaam. This is the spirit that allows people to sell truth for money. This is the kind of spirit that will sell and compromise the truth so that they can have more things. Maybe they do it on the job. Maybe they elevate their job above the word of God. Maybe they compromise in their church so that they can grow, whatever it is, and get a crowd. But it is a danger in the last day church. But I want you to know your money will perish with you. We are only going to make it by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. And if my testimony is that I died broken went to heaven I'm okay with that because above all else I must be saved and then he mentioned the gainsaying of Korah and this is the spirit of rebellion stand with me and this is the spirit that is sweeping through even the churches overseas it's the spirit of rebellion that says I don't need authority It's a spirit that says, I can make my own way. I can, I can live without the word being preached into my life. And it's a dangerous spirit. Everyone in this room, if you thought about it, you know someone who's been touched by one of these spirits. You know, spirits are an interesting thing. Spirits are content to hide in the shadows. And spirits hide in churches. They hide on pews. They hide in our homes, in our families. Spirit of Korah, the spirit of Cain. Spirit of Balaam, the spirit of Jezebel. The spirit of Delilah. 
could preach on all of these, but I don't have time. These spirits, they hide. That's what Jesus meant when he said wolves in sheep's clothing. They'll be spirits that cover themselves in the trappings of godliness. They'll lift their hands. But when those spirits are revealed, they become aggressive and angry. That's why sometimes you can bump up against a spirit. You ever, you ever bumped up against a spirit in somebody and you just thought everything was normal and then all of a sudden, a spirit that you didn't even know was near that person just, and all of a sudden you're facing something ugly, something dark, something wicked. Sometimes it's in your loved ones. And it's hard to face it when you see that spirit in your loved one's face. Sometimes you can be in church and you can be feeling a hindrance. And you're sitting near someone and you realize there's a, there's a spirit. And because we're living in the last days, these spirits are being exposed. They're being forced into the light. Every time we take a stand for truth, every time we take a stand for righteousness as a church, those spirits get angrier and angrier and angrier. And they come out into the light and then what the devil does is he tells us, that we're losing the battle because we're fighting more battles at the same time. The reality is we're not losing anything. It's just that we're finally figuring out who the enemy is. Because you can't fight a battle that you don't know you need to fight. Whenever a spirit is revealed, God's doing you a favor because he's showing you what you're dealing with. I can tell you from my own life, there, there are times when you're fighting things and you don't understand what you're fighting because you don't even know where the spirit's at or where it's coming from or what's manifesting it or what's behind it and all you know is you're just feeling all of this spiritual warfare and you don't know where it's coming from and then boom it's in front of you and it's hard and it breaks your heart and it hurts but I can tell you God's doing you a favor because he is showing you what you're dealing with and you cannot win a battle that you don't know where it's coming from and you don't know how to face it if you don't know where it is some of you here tonight are you bumped up against spirits in your own life maybe even in your own heart. And I just came to remind you that God did not deliver you so that you could walk out into the wilderness and be given over to destruction. I came to remind somebody tonight not to take your salvation for granted. God hasn't promised you tomorrow. You say, well, I can play games with God and I'll get right someday. No, no, it doesn't work that. God hasn't promised you tomorrow. 
not only has God not promised you personally tomorrow, God hasn't even promised that the church is going to get to be here tomorrow. God may just take the whole church out of here before this night is over, and then you might wake up wondering why you didn't listen to the preacher on a Sunday night. Lift up your hands. We're going to do some spiritual warfare. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. As I was preaching, the Lord pricked some of your heart, and he told you a spirit that you were up against, and I want you to begin to pray against that spirit right now. God put it in your mind. I want you to pray against it right now in the name of Jesus. He told you what it was. He told you what it was. Take it seriously. I want you to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. I want you to begin to pray in the name of Jesus. Begin to take authority over every stronghold against every demonic presence, against everything that would attack your home, your family, your life, your mind, this church. Come on, prayer warrior. I need you to lift up your voice because we are battling some things on a Sunday night. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. I said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you ought to be praying right now with authority. If you have the Holy Ghost, you ought to be in travail right now. There ought to be some intercessory prayer going up tonight. I come against the spirit of rebellion. I come against the spirit of soothsaying. I come against the spirit of witchcraft. I come against the spirit of immorality. I come against the spirit of deception. I come against the spirit of false doctrine. I come against the spirit of depression. I come against the spirit of immodesty. In the name of Jesus. Come on, come on, child of God, go ahead and rebuke it. It's been troubling your own mind. It's been weighing your own spirit down. Rebuke it. God's putting a burden in somebody's heart. God's putting a burden in somebody's heart. The Holy Ghost is showing you how to pray. It's showing you how to take authority. Some husbands ought to take their wife by the hand and you ought to come to the altar and say, we're going to take authority over our family. We're going to take authority over our home. Some husbands ought to lead their wives to the altar. Some of you husbands need to stop waiting for your wives to make you pray. You need to get your wife and say, we're going to go and take authority over our home. Take authority over our family. We're going to take authority over our lives. Come on, if you feel led, take somebody by the hand and say, we're going to bind together in Jesus' name. We're going to take authority over every dark spirit that would try to come into this church, that would try to come into our job, that would try to come into our home, that would try to get on your cell phone. Some of you ought to pray over your cell phone and take authority over the darkness in your own cell phone in the name of Jesus. 
There's some men that need to get authority over their cell phones tonight. You need to rebuke the spirits that are coming from your devices and take authority in the name of Jesus. Oh, I wish there'd be some praying men. I wish there'd be some fathers who'd lift up their voices. I pray some men would learn how to pray. I pray some men would learn how to open up their mouths and rebuke the darkness and push back against it. We need a generation of men who are bold in the Holy Ghost. A generation of men who are not timid, who will not back down in the face of evil, but men who will stand up with courage, with faith, with conviction. You ought to preach the truth in your home. Sir, you ought to preach the truth on your job. Sure, you ought to preach the truth everywhere you go. You are an ambassador of Christ. You are a witness to the world. You're the priest of your home. It's time for you to take Holy Ghost authority, sir. Young man, you don't have a dad at home. You ought to go ahead and take authority in your own home. Young man, you can be the priest of your home if you will be full of the Holy Ghost. Come on, young man. God's calling you to be a leader. God is calling you to walk with fire. God is calling you to have passion in your heart. God is calling you to be a prayer warrior. God's calling you to be a praiser. God's calling you to be a giver. God is calling you. I rebuke the spirit of fear right now. I rebuke the spirit of entertainment and complacency right now. I rebuke the strong man of this city. I rebuke the strong man of the Atlanta region. I bind him in the name of Jesus. I bind the spirit of confusion right now in the name of Jesus. I wish a prayer warrior would help me bind the spirit of confusion. It is covering kids. It is covering elders. It's covering millennials. I bind the spirit of confusion and I lose truth right now in the name of Jesus. I lose truth. I lose the truth of the gospel I loose the light of the world which is the Lord Jesus Christ I loose it in Jonesboro I loose it in McDonough I loose it in Riverdale I loose it in Fayetteville I loose it in Stockbridge I loose it in Peachtree City I loose it in Hampton I loose it in Locust Grove I loose it right now in the name of Jesus I loose it in Griffin in the name of Jesus I loose it in College Park I loose it in downtown Atlanta I loose it in Marietta I loose it in Lawrenceville in the name of Jesus Sir 
Somebody ought to rebuke the spirit of rebellion right now. I rebuke the spirit of rebellion that would come against our churches, that would come against our pastors, that would come against our missionaries, that would come against our people, who would come against the saints of God. It comes against parents and grandparents. I rebuke rebellion in the name of Jesus. And I pray, oh God, that unity would be released. I pray, Lord, that we would have the power of unity among your people, in our families, in our children, in our grandchildren, in our marriages, in our homes, oh God. I make it a policy 